get in official podcasting posture here. Audio level looks good. Check, check. Bring up the show notes. Pour myself a little more tea. <laughs> okay, can you hear that? Yes, I can. So the the very first episode that we released was mainly me telling this story of these new neighbors that we got that borrowed my screwdrivers and took forever to give them back. And the other day, we noticed on the outside of their door was this giant pink piece of paper taped to it that was an eviction notice. Oh my gosh. And it had, you know, this official legal language all over it and basically saying that they had X amount of days to vacate the premises and all this stuff. My interpretation of the situation, if I had to guess, based on my experience with them, is that they just forgot to pay the rent for like several weeks. And now they're being uh, evicted by the apartment. Like they they just moved in. (laughs) This is only like... They've only been here for what, like a month or two? I, I thought I thought apartments would typically have a few other forms of trying to get the rent before eviction. I feel like that's the last thing to do. So either they had not paid at all or had some other mishaps that got them on the bad list to be evicted. <laughs> like I said, they, they practically just moved in. Emma's the one who noticed it first and then she pointed it out to me and I, I couldn't believe it. And then... <laughs> And and my second thought was, I can't wait to bring this up on the show. (laughs) Good thing you got your screwdrivers back. Right, I know, exactly, right? Otherwise, if I had lent them anything and they still had it, probably just gone permanently. The other main piece of of follow-up that we have is I got a lot of feedback on the kissing thing, so... I told this story about how I watched that Tom versus Time documentary about Tom versus uh, about Tom Brady. I noticed that he kissed his kids directly on the lips, and you and I both found this very strange. Since then, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people saying that they kiss their kids on the lips like that, like the the peck peck on the lips, and that they don't think that it's it's strange, and that it just seems like a very natural thing to do. Are you surprised by this? I am surprised. Some of the feedback I've heard, the peck on the lips was very surprising because most people hadn't, the mo- most of the people that I've spoken to hadn't seen that documentary. And So you got the exact opposite feedback. Yeah. So I don't know if, they, if it depends on a certain age group or how old the kids are. I'm, I'm thinking demographics. Well, that's the feedback I would want is from people who have, who have kids. Yeah, or oh, the, the people who, are, who have kids say they don't, they don't do that. It's either cheek, head, forehead, not lips. But see, all, all the feedback I got was from people who have kids who do that. Now, they don't do it exclusively. I guess I should clarify that. They don't exclusively peck their kids on the lips. It's just something they, they have incorporated it into their repertoire. Ah. It's something that they use. It's just like, it's not that, like, the lips are not off limit. So they'll kiss their son or daughter on the cheek or the forehead or the lips or whatever. I can understand the reasoning. I still think it's a, 
I don't think I, I would do that to my kids. It feels a bit weird. Because I always think of that as a more of a romantic gesture. Yeah, well, are you, are you ready for a, for a bombshell here? Okay, go. So the... <laughs> do I have to, do I have to slip down? <laughs> no, it's, it's, I wouldn't say that. No, the, the most surprising piece of feedback that I got was from my mom, <laughs> who told me that when I was little, I must have been very little because I don't remember this at all. Apparently, she would peck me on the lips. <laughs> she, she told me that she did it for me and my younger brother, and she stopped once we reached a certain age, apparently because we both told her to stop. <laughs> <laughs> In the same way that eventually kids oftentimes will want, you know, the parents to just stop kissing them or hugging on them or whatever, like in public, I guess, you know, because you're kind of like, I don't know, do you know what I'm talking about? Is that something? Yes. So apparently, I don't know, my brother and I gave her some kind of feedback like that, but apparently when we were very young, she, it was something that she, she did and did not think that was, it was strange. Oh my gosh. That's very surprising. <laughs> you think it's very surprising? She told me that. And I was just, what? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah. So that was wow. Yeah, that was that was good. You know what else is interesting is that you and your brother, as little kids, recognized that something was a little bit strange with that. Which is why you, you told her to stop. If you didn't say that, do you think it would have carried on well into your adult life? Okay, well, well two, two thoughts. Okay, so, so first I want to say, I think it's a little unfair to say that my brother and I thought it was strange or okay. whatever. Because I, I think it's very common for little boys to re- reach a point where they, they want a little less affection from their parents or grandparents or whoever because it feels like less less like boyish or manly or, or whatever you know you uh, want to oh yeah you you're you right. don't want your mommy yeah. you don't want your mommy kissing on you kind of period yeah, especially if, yep you don't want to seem like a mama's boy and... right right you got to you don't want anyone to see that you got to look tough on the playground you know so i i think that it falls under that that uh situation but the the quite your, your second point there of like, so if we had not kind of had that reaction to it, would, would that still happen to this day? I don't know. That, that, that is a, that is a interesting question here. Possibly. You know what? Now, now that I'm thinking about it, for, like for my, my childhood, my mom used to give me a, a kiss on the cheek every day before going to school. And at some point, I could, I could, I can't remember if I told, oh, I'd stop, you know, that's not do that, but it, it slowly stopped, right? But if you're saying when you were little, your mom would peck you on the on the lips, I gotta make sure. Well, I, I have to do some checking <laughs> of my own because uh, I don't know. Uh, you should, you should ask your ask your mom about this. I'll have to do some some follow up. I, I expect to. I'm going to follow up with you on this. I, I want to hear yeah. a verdict on this. <laughs> I'll have to check. Yeah, more to come. I don't know about you, but I can remember. I can remember bits and pieces of my childhood, 
like like fragments, like individual stories and things. But I would say I don't really have a very solid like memory of my of what it was like to be me until like I don't know middle school, <laughs> maybe late elementary school. It seems like anything earlier than that is just like a different person practically in terms of remembering things. Yeah, I don't recall much before around that time either. I remember bits and pieces of like being in preschool, but only just one or two little blurs or fragments. I used I used to hurt myself a lot just from playing around outside or running into things and just being a being a kid. And I do remember one of the earliest memories of just hitting my head, running near some stairs, and I ended up getting stitches. But all the others, my, my dad loved to take pictures and home videos of all sorts of things. As I'm watching some of those, like now when I'm thinking back to when I was a very small child, I'm remembering the pictures and videos instead of what it was actually like. So those are two different things. Right. No, exactly. So it's like I, I have a I have a baby photo album that I've flipped through quite a few times over the years. I have that same experience of all that I remember from those times are these photographs that I have seen of them and not the actual <laughs> events taking place in the photographs. As a parent, I think I would feel a little almost uh, almost disappointed. You, you do all these things for your kid. And then they grow up and they don't even remember any of it. Yeah. To be fair, I think it's still very important that you do it in terms of like the development of the kid. Like if my parents didn't do all that stuff with me, I would be a very different person. But I just don't have the memory of those specific things. Well, I think deep down it kind of makes you who you are. Sure. Yeah. Those ex- those experiences. But I, I I get where you're going with that point about uh, your. It, it's like your parents invest all this time, energy, and so on, and then you have nothing to remember of it. So from your perspective, it's like it didn't really happen, just because you can't remember it. And that I, that's more like, that's just the surface issue, because deep down, if it didn't happen, yeah, you'd be totally different. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree. To be clear, I'm not saying like, your kids aren't going to remember any of that shit anyways, why even bother... <laughs> You know, <laughs> you don't need to, you don't need to read your kids. They don't remember that book, you know, oh, I, I, obviously I, you should, cause it's still very important. I, it's just, it's just interesting to me that I can't remember any of the specific things, but again, clearly it was important that they did do those things with me and it, it did mold me into this, this, this person that I, I am now. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting whenever it happens to be on the other side of this i think so too uh, we're, we're right now we only have like half the story right <laughs> right right <laughs> so it'll it, it'll be very interesting just to get the other other half i'm gonna make a note to my phone to ask my mom <laughs> uh i don't want to use too many words in this note because it does look kind of weird if someone <laughs> if someone finds my phone it's just yeah just like it's some very brief like kissing mom on mouth <laughs> <laughs> whatever government agencies 
monitoring my phone is gonna be like, whoa, we gotta get another person assigned to this because it's getting uh, getting out of hand. Oh my gosh! Don't Google that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a very interesting feedback, and what a bombshell. Yeah. So, so this is this is this is great. Um, I'm I'm really liking the. Uh, getting the feedback on the shows now that we're now that we're a few in and people are hearing them and, and that so I would I would once again give a a call out for if, if anyone has any feedback on the show there's a few different ways to reach out to us you can if you have Twitter you can tweet at us our, our handles at perfectly pod if you don't have a Twitter or you don't want to tweet at us or whatever you can always just send us an email the our email address is contact at perfectly or you can just go to our website, perfectlyreasonable.fm, and fill out the contact form. So there are a few different ways for you to get a hold of us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. You recently took a trip to California. We were in California for like a week. We spent like half the trip around San Francisco, and then we spent the other half of the trip in Yosemite, the, the national park. So, so this is something that... I, I had heard about previously. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but San Francisco is like a notoriously high homeless rate. Wow. I, I didn't know that. I've never been to California. So yeah. There are a number of factors which have contributed to this. Like a big one is how expensive the city has now become because of all of the tech companies there that pay really high salaries. People, people who live there can't afford rent anymore, things like that. And then there are some political things that probably contribute to it, but I don't want to, you know, comment on that. But the, the just the end result of it is there is like a ridiculous number of homeless people. And after we got back, I actually looked into this a little bit more because I was, I was so curious about it. And apparently <laughs> upwards of like 1% of the people in San Francisco might be homeless. Wow, that's a lot. And when I saw when I saw that I was like, I couldn't even believe it. It's like, I, how is that even possible? Almost one percent, because there were all of these homeless people around. I had a number of like interactions that I think are relevant to the show, in terms of like what is the appropriate way to handle this situation, what's like a reasonable behavior, that kind of stuff. So. We were actually technically in the East Bay when this happened. So when we were in Oakland refilling the rental car, this homeless woman approached me at the pump and wanted money. She was like giving me this whole story about like she has a baby that she needs to take care of and and all this stuff. I, I did not give her any money. I, I will just I will just say that. But let me, let me walk you through my thought process here. First of all, I was very skeptical that she actually did indeed have a baby. And you know, just because she, she said that, I was I was basically just skeptical of that, that it was being used as like a, a ploy to make me more likely to give her money. Secondly, if she does really have a baby, it's like her and her baby, and they need someplace to go, they need to just go to a shelter. And because I'm only there as a tourist, basically, I don't even know where to tell them to go in terms of like shelters. The next point would be if she, you know, she's living around there, 
I don't, I don't, I don't see how she would be oblivious as to the existence of these shelters and the fact that she could go there and know where they are and everything. It seems unlikely that the person who would approach me would be the homeless person who just became homeless that day and had no idea where they could go. If that makes sense, you know. Right. Like I'm assuming that this person does know what their their options are in terms of like shelters in the area and everything. And I, and I did see now. I guess granted, again, this was in Oakland, so I don't I don't know. But when I was doing my research about the homeless people in San Francisco, I read that they spend like literally a, a quarter of a billion dollars a year trying to take care of the homeless people that live there. Oh my gosh! So there are shelters and, and things around, and I would imagine that they they would be more willing to help out someone with a with a baby, especially. So. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking through, through all this, and then I'm thinking, I don't even want to tell the person you should go to a shelter because I don't want to engage at all because I'm still working under the, prem- the like, assumption that this person is probably just trying to like, get money out of me any way they can. And engaging with them in any way is going to then like latch them onto me and everything. I just did not want to be put in like an unsafe situation. So I basically tried my best to ignore them and keep them on like the outskirts of my vision, like my peripheral vision, Mm. which is, so I try try to keep them right on the edge there where it's like trying to make it obvious that I'm not giving them attention and I'm trying to ignore them, but also keeping my, like an eye on them so that they don't try anything crazy. And Eventually, they they went to go work on some other person. But when, whenever this type of thing happens to me, it, it's not very often since I don't live in, in the Bay Area and I live in Atlanta, but whenever I have these people like panhandlers or homeless people or whatever you want to describe them as, I guess, I just, I always feel so guilty not helping them out. But at the same time, I'm just so suspicious of, you know, am I giving you money just for you to get some drugs? Are you actually, you know, like, what is your situation? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have anything against, you know, giving disadvantaged people money. And I, I do donate to some, some charities, but I know that those charities are like legit and where the money is going and everything. Whereas in this situation, I do not. How do you handle these situations where someone just comes directly up to you asking for money paired with some kind of an excuse? Like, how do you, do you, do you ever give them money? What do you, what do you do? Well, most of the time I don't give any money at all because I can remember about five times in the last, in just recent, recent history where people have asked me for money and I doubt any of them have been homeless. Uh, I think the one time right right at a gas station, almost the same experience as you, the person at the pump on the opposite side of me asked me for money to put gas in her car. Oh my God. And I just looked at her strangely and I said, no, I don't have any money for you. I don't, I don't know what this lady had going on, but I think there's a, it's just the way she asked me as well. One, I, 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 I don't, I don't carry cash with me. Uh, if I do, it's maybe one or two dollars. And normally I just 
take the, I, my, my wallet. I don't like a very thick wallet. So I just take everything out and just carry the bare minimum. But she asked me, you have any cash? I need gas. I just need it. I need it. I need to get somewhere. I thought that's very, uh, uh, the, the high sense of urgency. And I just said, I don't have any money because that was true. I didn't have anything. But, it, but I think even if I did, I wouldn't have given it to her just because just the sense of entitlement from her, it rubbed me the wrong way. Like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, the other times I was at uh, a bar or something downtown, which is hanging out. And some guy goes, hey, do you, have, uh, do you have money for a drink? Can you buy me another one? More so so he can give that drink to someone else he knew, some other girl. So he came up with a sad story of how he needed, you, you're not getting anything from me like that. I just kind of walked away. Wait a minute, you were you were in the bar? Yeah. And this person is asking you to buy a drink? A drink so they can give it to somebody else. That's been the most recent times. And if you're in a bar, I'm assuming you're not homeless. He didn't look homeless. And this lady at the gas station didn't look homeless. But going back to just a homeless person, on my way home from work, I sometimes see there's a very popular corner where someone's usually standing, it's a pretty busy intersection. I'd sometimes bring, if I went out to lunch or I got food and I couldn't finish it, normally I'd take it home and eat it, but on the way I'd give it to this this person. And it, it took me a, a long time to, I'll call it maybe summoning up the the courage to do so, only because I'm worried about, I don't, I don't know this person. I don't want to get myself into a risky situation where they're going to end up robbing me so that's why I talk about just being on guard or just, I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm going to get robbed because I'm trying to do something nice. And I don't like to give homeless people money or anybody money because I don't know what they're going to do with it. They could be using it for drugs or something else. And I'm not giving some money to a guy to go buy a drink or some lady at the gas station to fill gas. But the only thing I will give is food items if I have it with me. Or this the donation to a charity, or doing some type of service. And the, the sad thing is that there's there's legitimate people who truly just need some money or something. But I but, but I have heard that sometimes instead of giving food, giving soap or other items that can help someone, like socks, uh, those those items which. If you donate to certain charities, they provide those things at shelters and so on. Anyway, it's always that type of behavior that makes me suspicious about giving people money. Yeah, and it's not like when I'm walking around and a homeless person comes up to me asking for money, like I just have an extra pair of socks to give them. But yeah, especially in around San Francisco, the other variable in here was like, a lot of these homeless people seemed... Like, not just homeless, but, like, legitimately dangerous in terms of, like, their mental instability. Ah, risk. Yeah, I don't want to put like, yourself in that situation. I mean, honestly, like, they were, they would just, they would, they would, like, yell stuff. Like, I noticed, this, this just creeped me out so much. There were several times where there would be a homeless person around who would just start laughing, like at the top of their lungs, like a Bond villain, e- evil, 
evil supervillain, like over the top evil laugh. And it'd just be like nobody around them. And they're just off to the side there and they just start like laughing. This this crazy laugh. And I'm just like, what the hell is going going on here? A lot of these people seemed like I just didn't want to be anywhere near them. And, and there there was there there was at least one time where someone kind of seemed to be following us around a little bit. Uh-oh. So I was like again trying to like not not make eye contact but keep them on the edge of my vision and keep walking around such that there was always like a buffer between us. That's a very stressful place to be in or just a just a, a stressful situation, a lot of anxiety. I'm always watching people around and being on guard. That's very tiring. It is. If I was a bodyguard, I'd be the worst bodyguard ever because I'd be so worried. <laughs> I don't know what they, what type of training they have to go through, uh, but I'm also not enormous like a bodyguard. So maybe, maybe that's why I sometimes don't feel more anxious, feel worried of. No offense, I don't think anybody's hiring you as a bodyguard anytime soon, Cree. Yeah, that's okay. I've got other skills. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Well, I guess we, we could pivot to like a lighter, <laughs> a lighter observation. Okay, well, let's, we, we can talk about one which was more fun to <laughs> palate, palate cleanser here. So this is actually one that I, I, I tweeted about. So if, if you follow us on Twitter, you would have gotten, you, you, you would have been one of the first to, to know about this as it happened. But so after we landed at the airport, we summoned, we summoned a lift Emma Emma requests the lift and she's like, oh, it'll be here in six minutes or something like that. And then we're waiting. A few minutes passes and then her phone rings and she answers it. And I'm only hearing one half of the conversation, but she's like, oh, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see you when you get here. So something like that, something kind of confused you know, based on context, it made sense that she must have been talking to the driver. So she hangs up. So she hangs up, and I'm like, okay, so what's what's going on? And she's like, well, that was our Lyft driver, and he said he's going to be a little late because uh, he's in the drive-thru at Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> this this guy called called to tell us that he's going to be late because he's getting Wendy's. And I was so annoyed by this. I would have rather that he just lied to us and said, hey, I'm going to be a few minutes late because like I got stuck at this. There's like a accident at this intersection or something. You just make something up like, hey, sorry about that. It's going to be a few minutes longer than you expected. And I was like, can we not just get a new driver? And Emma was saying like, there is no way in the Lyft app to do that, to just like say, hey, no, we need a different driver. This person is like stuck someplace, which was an annoyance to me that this is not a, a not a thing. So we just had no choice but to, to wait for this this person to show up. And I'm just like, I, I'm just standing there thinking as we're waiting, like I just I, I couldn't get over it again. It was like I was so annoyed that that person would do that. But then what made it way worse was the fact that he told us. And I was, again, I was like, I would have rather that you just lied about it. 
and that I didn't know. Like, ignorance is bliss, you know, just, like, say something else. So eventually this guy gets there, and he rolls up, and I, as soon as I saw this guy through the windshield, I was like, Emma's still going to give this guy five stars. Because he, he, he rolls up, and I can see through the windshield that this guy looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> He's like old and he has this giant white beard and he's kind of portly and everything. And he, he pulls up. We, we load the stuff into the trunk and get into the car. And then he explains to us, like he apologizes. His explanation for what happened was the way that the Lyft app works is there's like a queue of all the drivers in the area. And it says what your place is in line. And so usually you can tell how long it's going to be before you get the next car, because it'll say like, "Hey, you're fifteenth in line right now for a driver, or for, for a for a passenger." And so he said that he saw that he was actually like down quite a bit in the line, and that he should have time to like run through the drive-through at Wendy's. And so he got into the the drive-through line, and then the drive-through line took longer than he expected it to, and then the he said that the lift. Q moved quicker than he expected it to. Perhaps, I don't know, some influx of passengers, which I think you would expect at an airport that, like, you know, a plane lands and then a bunch of people get off needing a ride. But anyways, so in any event, he said that he was not, like, like he was in line at the Wendy's when he got assigned us. So it's not mm. like... It's not like he agreed to take us and then he decided to go to Wendy's on the way, which was how I interpreted the situation. Yeah. Because when she, when Emma told me what was happening, I was like, well, why the hell did he accept our trip if he's at Wendy's? So, I don't know. After he explained it, it made a little more sense. I still think Lyft's policy probably is if you're in line you need to be ready to go and that you're not supposed to be doing something else while you're in line. You know, you know what I mean? Like you should be, if, you, if you're, if you're saying you're in line and you're ready to go, you should be ready to go. That's, that's the official policy. I, I'm sure it is. But at the same time, there's this reality of what people actually do. And I'm, I'm sure that they do like to fill up on gas or stop at whatever while they're in line to try and, make the most efficient use of time. So I'm sure this is the thing that goes on, but yeah. So Emma ended up letting the guy off the hook after the, after the Wendy's thing. And he was like, so (laughs) we're riding in the car and he's like, like very just friendly and old and telling us all these stories. And they're like, Oh, I grew up in East Bay and I helped, you know, I was a foreman who worked on this bridge and he's telling us all this stuff and everything. He's like, he's like somebody's grandpa, basically. Emma said that his score, his like lift driver rating, which you can, you can see was like one of the highest that she's seen. It's like close to five. And after that, I was like, well, yeah, because even if he does anything wrong, everybody feels too guilty to actually give him a bad score. And the, the the other thing was like, he had a, a Samsung phone, like one of those Galaxy phones. And every minute, it would make some kind of like an annoying noise. And he said that 
you know, his phone started making this noise and he doesn't know how to make the noise go away. <laughs> just Aww. like just like a classic old person tech tech issue. And so I'm painting a picture here, hopefully, of like sympathy and like the fact that like, oh, God, we can't like, how, how can you give a person like this who can't change the settings in their phone like a bad score basically is <laughs> what's going on there. So. <laughs> so so that that was how we handled it. I don't know. I guess other people might have been ruthless and given the guy a bad score or whatever or reported him to, to lift. But we we decided not to not to do that. We showed mercy, so Yeah, I think I'd have done the same. Back to your your, your one comment about whether or not to accept a, uh, the a pickup or a passenger if you're in the middle of doing something i think I, I don't know what the policy of lift drivers or what they have to follow but i think just because it's the source of income the more rides they have the more money they make so they try to get as many as they can if i was in that same situation sure a couple minutes if you're already in the drive-thru and you're about to get what you need or you're in the middle of something right now but you you'll be on the way in a couple minutes Sure, I'd accept the ride. I'd, I'd take it. Yeah, this is, this is one of those situations where I can appreciate the game theory behind it. Yeah, and yes, game theory. <laughs> and if I was him, I would probably do the same thing for the reason you just said, which is you're trying to maximize the number of rides you can get per hour, basically. But my feeling is you can do that, but also if you have a poor rider experience you're going to get penalized so it's just a risk reward thing yeah you're you you can do it sure like of course you 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 are incentivized to really push how many rides you can get and to maybe be overly aggressive in accepting rides but at the same time the rules are agreed upon and a driver can just give you a bad score if you take too long right mm-hmm so I think it, you know, it just it is it is what it is. I feel like everybody has the right to do what they want to do. You have the right to accept uh, a ride, which is maybe questionable, and the person has the right to give you a bad score. It's just the way that the market works. But I think that's the now that you've explained some of the, the background on the driver himself, that's the courteous, honest thing to do. Yeah, I'm gonna be late. So I'm at, uh, I'm gonna be late on my Wendy's, even though most people would just lie and say they traffic or whatnot. But it, it did sound, when you first started telling the story, it sounded like he accepted the ride, went to pick up Wendy's, then came to get you. And Emma. I still think he maybe should have lied <laughs> out of his own self-interest. We were there waiting for him to, to leave Wendy's and get to us. I've been thinking of like trying to look for things as they happen more to tweet about them from our official Twitter account. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just happened to think like, oh, actually, this is like such a, a situation for our show. So I'm going to tweet about this real quick. So I tweeted about it and Lyft actually replied to my tweet and wanted us to sort of like, you know, what is your, you know, give us the phone number of the person who requested the, the ride and we'll get on it and, and whatever. And so Lyft was all about looking to uh, kind of reprimand, Rec- the dr- reprimand the driver. And Emma was like, Emma was like, no, we're not doing that. It's fine. It's not a big deal. So I replied to Lyft and said, don't worry. We found it more amusing than anything. We're not going to report them. It's, you know, we're just sharing it. 
But if we were if we were people who were more kind of pissy and everything, we could have just as easily replied and said, "Yeah, this person is screwing us over and giving them." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if we were different people, he could have gotten in trouble for that. Well, as I'm, if I read the, uh, the tweet dialogues, it just sounds like Lyft wanted to make sure they there wasn't anything they could do to rectify the situation. But once you explain, ah, oh, it's just more funny, no big deal. I think that's uh, that that may be something like a generational type thing because he's an older guy. In his mind, that's just common courtesy to let someone know if you're running late or not instead of. No, I, he did the right thing to let us know he was running late. I still think re- <laughs> I still think the reason he could have maybe just sat on, <laughs> just don't even you don't even necessarily need to lie. Just say you got stuck someplace and you're going to be a few minutes extra late and you're sorry about it. Don't even you don't even need to, to fabricate something necessarily. Just. Just leave out some of the details. You know what I mean? Like, and just everybody will be better off. Oh my gosh. I find it very funny how frustrating you're getting because he told you he was at Wendy's. Are you telling me you wouldn't, if you pretend like you don't know this story and what exactly the explanation was, if you request a Lyft or an Uber and a few minutes go by, and you're expecting the car to show up, and then they call you, and they're like, "Hey, I'm actually at the drive-through Wendy's. I'll be there in a little <laughs> bit." You, you tell me, you wouldn't be annoyed. I, I think I would be annoyed. Yeah, I, I probably would be. Okay, thank you. Uh, no further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm realizing? You know what I'm realizing now is like uh, this. This podcast is like a tremendous liability. Because I'm basically airing out all of the different ways that people push my buttons and things that you can do to like just really piss me off. So this is just like such a a wealth of information here for anyone who would ever want to just make my life hell. This is just review all of these episodes and pick out the things that drive me nuts and then use them against me. I believe in honesty, and I, I will I will admit that. When if, if we ever go somewhere together, like on a trip, if I have to pick you up from anywhere, I'm going to Wendy's first. Even if I don't want to Wendy's, I'm just going to go there and call you while I'm there and saying I'm going to be late because I'm getting Wendy's and you're going to have to deal with that. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> there's, there's really nothing, there's, there's nothing I can do about it, so... So, so we decided to do what is a little bit of a touristy thing to do, but we we bought one of those bus passes for like the on-off tours, which is there's a a series of buses that just make this loop around different attractions around a city, and it has predefined stops, and you just ride the bus. And usually there's like a tour guide telling you about things as you're as you're riding along in the bus. And then it comes to a stop and you can decide whether or not you want to get off at that thing. And if you do, then you just hang out there and eventually another bus will come and stop there. And then you can hop on for the rest of the tour. This is this thing that, that pretty much every city has. 
Um, so we just so we decided to do that because there were a few things on the the bus tour that Emma wanted to see. But we're riding the bus. I think this was the the bus that took us from like across the Golden Gate Bridge and into Sausalito. So we're riding the bus, and it's one of these open top buses. It's like a double decker bus, but nothing. The the top is not enclosed. First of all, we felt like we were gonna die riding across the bridge on the top of this bus because it was so cold. So we get to the other end of the bridge, and the the driver says, "Okay, we're just gonna park here for a couple of minutes, so that people can like, you know, take pictures or whatever." From the other side of the bridge, and then just hop back on, and then we're going to go into Sausalito for our main stop. And if people, you know, I think a lot of people like us basically used it as a shuttle to get into Sausalito to go out to lunch or whatever. So we stop, and people hop off the bus to just take a different look at the the bridge. And after a couple minutes, we get back on the bus, and these people took our seats on the bus and I'm looking around and everybody is sitting in the seats that they were sitting on when we rode over the bridge with the exception of these people who took our seats. <laughs> but there's no assigned seating. There's, there's just... no, there's technically no assigned seating. It's just first come first serve. You get on the bus, you pick your seat. But I think the first come first serve occurred when you first got on the bus and the driver made clear this is not an actual stop. We're just going to stop here for a minute for people to take pictures and then hop back on the bus. And again, every other person on the bus went back to their seat that they had originally got on before we drove over the bridge, with the exception of these two people who took our seats. And what was especially annoying about this was almost all of the seats faced the front of the bus like a normal, like you would expect a seat to. But because this was a double-decker situation, there was a flight of steps that went from the bottom up to the top. And because of that flight of steps, in the middle part of the bus, they couldn't fit the seats going sideways facing the front of the bus. So instead, there was a row of seats facing the side. Yes, that's annoying. So you got downgraded. Of course, the people who stole our seats were sitting in those seats facing perpendicular to the bus, basically. When the bus is like starting and stopping, we're like sliding in our seat because we're not <laughs> properly sitting in the right direction, you know? And but so when we when we got back on the bus, like I'm not gonna make a like pick a fight with these people and be like, you took our seats, because I don't technically have the authority to do that because they're not assigned or numbered or anything. So we just sit in these other people's seats. And then after a couple of minutes, just before the bus is getting ready to leave again, this lady turns to us and was like, oh, I, I didn't realize that we took your guys' seats. Would you like to have them back? This is such a token gesture of a thing. Okay, so, so first of all, it, it annoys me so much because they did realize that they stole our seats. No... No person will be stupid enough to not realize that they took our seats. You were sitting in a... The seats that they sat in were oriented in a completely different way on a different part of the bus. And they very obviously switched seats. 
So that first part was not even, that was just a lie, right? Like they were very obviously trying to get better seats. So they stole our seats. So for them to say, oh, I didn't realize that I took your seat just annoyed me. But then the second part of that of, oh, well, you know, would you like your seats back? No reasonable person expects us to take them up on that offer. That is just something that you say to try and make yourself feel better about stealing our seat. That like, oh, well, I offered them the seat back and they declined. So it's okay that I stole the seat. There is no, nobody, almost nobody who would actually say, actually, yeah, can we have our seats back? Because you did, you did <laughs> take them. I wanted so badly because, because I knew how they were thinking through this situation and that they were just offering up this ridiculous gesture. I wanted so badly to say, actually, yeah, I'd like my seat back. Just to see their reaction. Emma would have been probably pretty pretty annoyed if I would have done that because it is the unreasonable thing to do like you don't you you can't say yes and demand your seat back you just like a reasonable person cannot do that in my opinion right so I just I, I was I was so annoyed about this for those again for those two reasons but yeah I, in general I so dislike these token gestures that people sometimes do where they they offer you something Basically, like symbolically, knowing that if they take you up on it, knowing that if you take them up on it, you look like an asshole. It basically is just like the finishing move. They've already got you one move away from checkmate in the thing that they did. But then that last move of like coming off as the polite, reasonable person and offering you like this thing makes it so that. The only way out of it is like you just resign. And if you try and take them up on this thing, you end up just looking like an asshole. You've already lost at that point, basically. That's one of the, I think there's a, there's a number of token gestures and they've, they've been on many shows. The first one comes to mind, like the office that's full of those type of gestures. I can see your frustration because I, I, I'm trying to think of what I would do in that situation. And part of me would want to say, yes, I want the seat back, but then. It's like you're causing a scene and then you just look like a fool and the other person knows that they've won even if you take the seat back. To me, it's almost like a socially sanctioned way to brag <laughs> about yeah. their successfulness in stealing our seats. But, oh, I, I didn't realize that we took your seats. Like, you want them back, bitch? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like it's like it's like putting a cherry on top of of the seat stealing is like pointing out to us like hey in case you guys didn't notice we stole your seats you gonna you gonna, you gonna try and take it back you know that that's the way that it maybe they didn't attend it that way but that's the way that it feels to me is almost like you're bragging about screwing over the other person here's a fun homework assignment for for the audience maybe is the next time someone offers you a token gesture take them up on it just just to see their reaction you don't even you don't even need to necessarily totally go through with it just just at least bluff just say like oh yeah actually thanks and then start to do it just 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 enough to get their reaction out of it 
that's 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 my homework assignment for the for the audience i think i do remember one that happened to me i don't remember where i was but we're waiting in line somewhere either to go for food or to get inside somewhere it's a very long line like a big big crowd of people where it's not everyone single file it's more like a clump of people and this lady happened to get in front of me then she, she realized it and was like oh you know i didn't mean to cut in front of you you can go ahead if you want i noticed she moved in front of me because she did it discreetly like not making eye contact or anything like that and just kind of shuffled her way through but when she realized or when she saw that i was looking at her she's like oh yeah i didn't realize i got in front of you do you want to get in front of me here in this in this queue and get your spot back and i said oh no it's okay who cares just one extra person but it did annoy me because i knew she knew what she was doing next time i'm gonna assert myself and say yes i want my spot back yeah now korean i i want to say that if i was in your situation i would have said Yes, actually, you cut in front of me. But the truth is, I would not have. And do you know why that is? Because what really would have happened in that situation is I, ne- I, I wouldn't have let her cut in front of me in the first place. Because as soon as she would have made that move, I would have been, well, excuse me, but actually, I'm, I'm in line. And I'm not even joking. And as Exhibit A for this, at a recent trip to Costco a couple weeks ago, we, we finished you know, our big trip to Costco and Emma wanted a hot dog and I wanted a slice of pizza. And so I got in line and there was this old grumpy man behind me who kept bitch, like he kept making comments to himself under his breath about how slow the line was moving and everything. And at one point even asked me if I was in line, which seemed obvious to me that I was in line. And it wasn't clear, like a couple other people in line had carts. And so I just had my cart with me. It didn't seem like there was a good place to push it off to the side anyways. But so I had my cart in line, didn't realize I wasn't supposed to. And the cashier kind of said to everybody in line, hey, everybody, the cart, can you just push it off to the side so that it's just people in line and whatever? So me and like a couple other people push our cart off to the side, including the person directly in front of me. And this old grumpy guy cuts in front of us while we oh. while we're pushing our cart off to the side. So we go back to get in line and I could see the guy in front of me was like super annoyed by this this person cutting in front of us. But then he went not only did he go behind the old man, he went behind me because it was like he he just accepted the fact that he lost. Oh. And so I go up to this old guy and I was like, actually you're behind me and he's in front of me. And I just said it to him like just like as directly as possible like you're behind me, man. And just went, just like squeezed in front of him and just like deal with it. Like you're not going to cut me in line for a stupid hot dog and piece of pizza. Like calm the hell down, man. And so I, and then I made the guy who was in front of me originally get back in front of me. The fact that someone would be so pissy and just cut in front of people just for a stupid hot dog because they want to get their hot dog a minute and 30 seconds faster. Oh man, that's, that's a bridge too far, man. It's a bridge too far. Wow. Calm the hell down and get back in your place in line. Look at you providing justice 
I bet the bet the guy who was originally in front of you then went back to the line, felt defeated, and then you came to the rescue and like Batman. Exactly. I can see how some people might view this situation taking place and think that again, I'm the one coming across as the jerk here. Going back to the token gesture thing of like who's actually the jerk, the the original jerk or the jerk who <laughs> reasserts himself. So I could see some people saying, like, it's not a big deal. You're just waiting in line for snacks or whatever. Go behind the old guy and don't make a fuss. I don't think that's right. I I think this guy shouldn't just, like, be able to cut us in line. And I I, I feel like I did the right thing by, like, taking our spots, spots back. I, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten much more comfortable with asserting myself in certain situations and... Not, you know, just being a pushover. Yeah, just just being more more honest in certain certain situations with people, and I don't like I just don't like getting pushed around. I feel inspired maybe by all of the the curb your enthusiasm that I've watched. Just just ask yourself, what would Larry David do in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> he. he the patron saint of uh, the perfectly reasonable podcast, Larry David, he would never, never steer you wrong. And I, I, in that situation, Larry David sure as shit would take his spot in line back. So, well, you inspired me to assert myself if I get into a situation like that again. Stand, stand up for your, stand up for yourself, Cree. Make sure I do it in a very aggressive way to overcompensate, overcompensate for the previous times where I let things slide. I gotta make up. Unless the other person has a knife. And then... Yeah. Checkmate, you know. All right. <laughs> you won. Fair enough. You got me. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do a, an outro? How do we... How do we even do that? Well, I mean, would you... Would you like to... Uh, we, we have a little bit of time here still according to your schedule. So you could record your own uh, little thing here since I've done done them so far if you want to give a special message I honestly don't even know what to say it, it does feel super awkward yeah I don't even know what how, how to how, how to address it besides saying something along along the lines of uh, well listeners if you have any feedback stories to share make sure to get get on our Twitter page and comment subscribe like it just feels funny I'm, I'm okay with you Doing an outro, and I'll I'll try to think of something that doesn't sound weird to say, if if I if I end up doing it next time. Or well, you know, if you think of something you want to say, you can always just record it and then just send it to me. Well, if if, if you think that the the stuff I said earlier was okay, go, you know, uh, I think I think it could have been better. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's good. <laughs> I meant to bring this. I meant to bring this up during the uh, when we were giving follow up, but also in this California trip, I saw somebody this this dad give their daughter a kiss on the lips mm. on the plane. 
But my thought at the time was, well, this is a California plane. <laughs> and it's flying out of like San Francisco. And if, it, if ever there would be a city where people disproportionately do things like kiss their kids on the lips, it would be San Francisco. 